All right, guys, welcome back to the Short Story Long Podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Sam Derrickson, joined by my co-host, Andrew Dial. How's it going, guys? We're here sharing the work and play of your modern working class Midwestern millennials. Oh, you kind of butchered that a little bit, didn't you? I did. I did. <laughs> I'm right. new at this. I'm sorry, guys. But anyway, welcome back. So, uh... Obviously, you liked the first one. Hopefully, you liked the first one. Or maybe you just listened to this one for the first time. Anyway, we're glad you're here. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for joining us. Yeah, so, so today's episode is we're going to talk about cars. Cars is a big part of our life. And when I say cars, I mean Jeeps, trucks. Anything whichever. with motors, basically. Yes. So uh, we'll just hop right into it. So, Sam, how many cars have you owned? Um, I guess i should have probably counted up my list uh before we started but oh they'll never know you can lie i i want to say it is either 39 or 41 i think i'm think it's 41 i think the latest jeep i bought made it 41 gotcha and i'm you, at, i'm at 45 but i have a leg up on you because i count my wife's vehicles after we got married so that ups the count and then i also acquired vehicles in business purchases okay. so I and, count those as well. And so I think last time I counted, I did not count like recreational trailers that I had. Well, I didn't count trailers. So anyway, uh, yeah, I've had quite a few. Um, I, I like the memes on Facebook that talk like I'm 27 on my second car. And like the, the meme is I'm 31 on my 50th car or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And I identify with that for sure. So yeah, those are rookie numbers. You got to pump those numbers up. So uh, I think cars in general have a whole subculture with them. And a lot of people identify with their vehicles. Um, it means a lot to people. I mean, for most of us, it's the first big valuable thing that you own as an individual. And a lot of people tend to take pride in that and uh you know spend a lot of time and money and you know effort customizing or cleaning or or taking care of in general a vehicle and i think dozer and i both take that a step further in that um we just enjoy lots of different versions of automotive engineering i guess yes go fast classic cars late model cars that are fast, off-roading, you know, big diesel trucks, love them all. So I grew up watching one of my favorite shows uh, was the uh, British version of Top Gear. Yeah. Um, and just the antics that those guys just always had a dynamic between them. And they just did the wildest, craziest stuff with cars. And I, and I always thought, man... These guys, I think the first episode I can clearly remember is the one where they had the Toyota truck that they just beat the ever-living crap out of. I mean, they drove it through a house. Is that the one they blew up the skyscraper? They blew it up. They drowned it in the ocean. They hit it with a wrecking ball. They burned it. They they couldn't kill it. Uh, But just just all the crazy stuff they did. And I never did care for the American version or when they uh, got rid of them off the British version. So now I'm a pretty avid consumer of the the Amazon version that they have so well I would, <clears throat> I would say my car television history it would be Saturday mornings I don't even know what channel it was on but you had like Stacy David was it Spike was it, it was Sp- before Spike was I don't it? even know what it was called but like TNT I think could be 
Stacy David's Gears. David David, and it was before Gears because mm. he had something before Gears, like trucks or something. Yeah, yep. it was trucks. It's trucks. And then you got Extreme Four by Four, and then you you know then you get in your first work hot you know lady. Uh, what was her name? Uh, Jesse Combs. Jesse Combs. R.I.P. Oh my gosh! Yeah, rest in peace. But I remember you know twelve year old Dozer like yes. So, and uh, what else? There's oh hot rods. Uh, they had those guys. It was like hot rod television or something. Uh, hot rod TV. But, and then and then you had the customizing shows like you had the uh, overhauling. Um, yeah, I think that was a little later though. Was it? You know that one as much Saturday morning. Okay. But okay. I remember Stacy David built that Bronco. It was like a uh, I don't know. It was, a, it was an early Bronco, and I could not for the life of me figure out why he had lockout hubs and lockers. And, you know, a four-wheel drive shifter. And I do remember my dad telling me, like, well, you know, your four-wheel drive shifter shifts, engages the front axle. Your locker locks both wheels together, and your hubs lock your axle to your wheels. And, like, eight-year-old me was just like, mind-blowing. Why are so many things being locked in here? Like, locks, locks, why doesn't locks. it just work? <laughs> and, I mean, I didn't learn a lot about cars from my dad, but I do remember that I could... Like, that was in our living room at our old house. I remember that. Like, why is there so many things locking, Dad? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, this got to be locked to this. This got to be locked to that. So, that's probably, I mean, that's probably what fueled a lot of the car thing. Okay. And, okay. of course, my dad had Jeeps growing up. My grandma worked at the Y yard, which is a salvage yard. And uh, he always talks about, you know, they buy salvage Jeeps. He had a Scout they bought that was wrecked. Uh, you know, and him and my grandpa would fix it up and just hearing all these stories, I was just like, yeah, car guy, you know, dad, dad had a, uh, uh, a Dodge truck and I remember it had the 360 in it and he was always oh, so yeah. proud of none of this 318 bullshit. No. You know, he's got the five nine, like my dad's truck's got the big V, you know, every kid, his dad is his hero, you know. And, For sure. And, uh, I still remember that. Like, yeah, it's got the big motor and like, well, what? What's a cubic inch, Dad? What's this liter, you know? And it's just, I don't know. I was always about motors on everything. So, obviously, your first vehicle was your Jeep Cherokee. What year was it? It was a 98. A 98. Bought it from Gegner Brothers. I think, what was this? I, can, I think the salesman name was, last name was Stevens. I don't know. Anyway. So, 98. Uh, XJ for those in the know. Yes, that was the uh, second year of the what I would call the second gen body style, which is my favorite. Um, we have a mutual friend who would <laughs> beg to differ. Uh, he, yeah. he his first vehicle was an eighty nine, right? No, his is a ninety two. Is a ninety two anyway? 92. First first generation XJ, and uh, he still has it. By the way, yeah, he'll tell you all about it. Oh, he he would love to. Uh, you <laughs> may not get away to. from him. Yeah. Um. So anyway, yeah. So your first vehicle was the XJ. Yes. Yeah. It was bought, bought it used. Yeah, we got it, bought it from Gettner Brothers. I think it had like ninety six thousand miles on it, which to my dad was wore out. You Do you remember what it? you paid for it? Uh, it was like sixty five hundred bucks or Woo! something for a first car and. and my dad is very much like plan ahead guy and we got it. I mean, I was eight months to driving yet. Mm-hmm. And I remember we parked it inside. My mom and dad had a three car garage and I'd go out there and just sit in it. I remember to this day, the guy who owned it before me smoked a cigar yeah. in the Jeep and his name, his last name was wines. I believe. Really? Yes. Okay. Uh, 
what was his name? Uh, Idle. Frank. Was it? I don't know. No, he was a private investigator. Oh, oh. Uh, but he ended up a couple of years after I bought the Jeep. He lived two blocks from my mom and dad's house where I Not grew Frank. up. Not Frank. Um, Steve Wines. Okay. Uh, Winestock. Winestock was his last name. Ah. But anyway, he called us after we bought it and come over. I got stuff for this. And he had a roof rack and lights and all kind of stuff. And I, I, what I, whatever he wanted for the roof rack was met probably 75 bucks. Didn't have the money, you know, but man, I wanted mm. that roof rack bad, but didn't get it. Um, but he smoked a cigar in it. And I still remember this day, like I sprayed it down with Febreze and I'd go out in that Jeep in the garage and just sit in that Jeep and just, I can still remember the smell of Febreze and cigar. Yes, yeah. Beautiful. And, and I probably about washed the paint off that Jeep. Mm-hmm. I probably washed it once a week. You know, backed out in the driveway, washed it, pulled, shammy it. We were shamming, you know, pull yep. it back in. Week later, every Saturday, you know, pull it back out. And I just could not wait to get my license. Dozer's first love, that yeah. XJ. Then, so then, you know, you get hooked up with the old Quadratech magazine, oh you gosh. know. Who didn't? So it was, I was looking, dad, 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 this lift kit's only 200 bucks, you know, budget boost. And every time... I brought up buying a lift kit. His thing was, well, who, who's going to put it on? Who's going to put it on? Who's going to put it on? And, well, you you know, it's going to cost you money. Oh, shit, I can barely afford this lift kit, you know? Mm-hmm. So, anyway, we get hooked up. My cousin Sarah was dating a guy who had a friend named Adam Duvall, who's local here. And uh, uh, he ended up putting it on, and he let me help, which was super, super cool. And uh, put a two-inch budget boost on. Went to Al's Tire Mart. Put thirty-one ten-fifty Pro Comp mud trains on it. Does it get any better? Stock wheels. They're like this is the biggest you can go on stock wheels. And and then uh, there's a guy in town had a YJ. I thought it sounded amazing. And uh, which is a like a eighty-seven to ninety-five Jeep Wrangler for those who don't know what a YJ is. And uh, I remember stopping at his house. I stopped and knocked on his door. He's, I mean, he looked at me like I had a dick growing out of my head. <laughs> and I was like, what muffler do you have on your Jeep? It sounds amazing. He's like, oh, it's just straight piped. So I left that guy's house and drove to Midas that day. Yes. And uh, uh, I told him, I said, straight pipe this thing. And they're like, what? And they're like, yeah. I was like, I want you to cut the muffler out. Well, it's straight piped. <laughs> So, uh, first thing any guy does, uh, of course, they upsold the balls off me. You know what I mean? Like they replaced the air filter while I was there. Like I went in to get my Jeep straight piped at Midas and, you know, new turn signal bulbs, air filter, (laughs) blinker fluid, you name it. (laughs) I I don't know. It, it probably cost me like 60 bucks by the time I got out of there. But dude, I was, I was like, this was so much more money. This was a terrible experience. And like, my dad's going to kill me. Well, anyway, but it still had a catalytic converter on it, so it wasn't that loud. But, man, I, I thought I was living. You were right uptown, for sure. Yes. And uh, so, anyway, I mean, I guess while we're talking first cars, I mean, I could, we'd probably do a whole episode on that first car, you know. Sure. Going to homecomings, you know, mm-hmm. fooling around with girlfriends in the back of it. Uh, but I eventually turned it into a two-buggy off-roader. Went out to Wyoming with it. Uh, went... Uh, you know, all kind of off-road, met all kind of people because of it. And, you know, that was, that was the beginning of it. And I ended up on my 
on my 26th birthday, I wrote a thing on Facebook. I'll have to find it and do an episode on it about what that. cars mean to me. It's 10 that. years of having cars. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I was talking about, you know, all the people I met in cars, all the dates I went on in cars. Uh, broke up with my now wife, then girlfriend in my Jeep, you know. And, uh, uh, you know, cars just been a big part of my life. So we'll have to find that sometime. You know, I talked about how cars will bring my kids home from the hospital. And they did. And they did. We did not walk home with them, even though we probably could have. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, Sam, what was your first car? So technically, my first car was a, I believe, a 66 Jeepster. A okay, Jeep, all a right. Jeep Commando. I was thinking Dakota. But... It was my first daily driver, but my technically my first vehicle that I bought, I would think I was 15 maybe. I think I was 14 or 15. And uh, like I said, my family was big into the off-road stuff. And uh, I saw this thing and had to have it. I think I paid $300 for it. Yeah. Um, and it had the old Dauntless V6 in it. And it had 33-inch tires. And I remember... Those are like the ultimate yeah. off. Like you don't get a better off-road tire than a thirty-three. So uh, no, I I went ahead and we we got that Jeepster, and it was a pretty much clapped-out piece of junk. Uh, had really had a pretty nice set of uh, axles in it. And it had the 33s, like I said, and had a lot of good stuff done to it. But I didn't know what the heck I was doing back then. Um, But my actual first daily driver vehicle was a 1992 Dodge Dakota uh, 5.2 liter V8 318 automatic four-wheel drive extended cab LE. And it had, I mean, for a 92, it had the wood grain dash and the ultra plush seats in it. Um, it had, uh, the, I think I had, I don't even know, just some all terrain tire on it. And we got it from the route 40 auto auction that was there on the east side of T town. And I paid $700 for it. And I remember thinking, Man, this thing is just the baddest vehicle ever. It had Flowmaster 40 series uh, mufflers on it, and it was just a mean sounding truck. And I remember telling all of my friends that I had literally a race truck. I mean, I would race anybody and their brother, and I thought I was just just the the speed racer of the town. And I had uh, I had at least four sets of rear tires put on it because for some reason, unbeknownst to me or my dad, uh, they wore a lot faster on the back than they did on the front. Um, But eventually the transmission started to give out. And when you were under load, accelerating quickly, it would not shift out of second gear. And I would shit, it would redline at 85 mile an hour in second gear. And I did that a lot. (laughs) A lot. And I was the kid who went to, um, AutoZone and bought a K&N air filter oh, and yeah. thought it added just my, my tons. My Jeep had a K&N from, from Quadratech, my t- man. Tons, tons and tons of horsepower. But uh, that that truck um, was, like I said, goes back to when you're a car guy and you spend countless hours washing and cleaning. I was in uh, the auto class in high school 
and we would pull our vehicles in and work on them. And I installed a stereo subwoofer oh, yeah. and uh, change oil in it and thought I could tune it up and put these E3 spark plugs in it. Oh, it was going to give E3 me a million horsepower, <laughs> you know. And, uh, uh, but no, I mean, that thing was freaking awesome. And uh, eventually, go figure, the transmission finally went out. Uh, I lost reverse first and uh, <laughs> I just parked. Uh, anywhere I could just pull out of a parking spot. Like, I don't need reverse. I, I got all I need to do is go forward. So um, one day I, I came home from my dual credit Lakeland courses and I normally parked on the road, but there was something in the way. So I just didn't think about it, pulled into the driveway. And when you did need reverse, it would kind of just shake and shimmy and, and and get itself to go backwards and so i climbed in that thing to go to school and uh i was like oh man i parked in the driveway i'm i'm screwed you know <laughs> put it in reverse put my foot on the floor and basically <laughs> basically welded the clutch packs together Went atomic it uh it was not good that was the end of that truck it sat on my, in my yard on jack stands for oh shoot i don't know a long time because i was looking for a transmission and didn't have any money for a transmission. Uh, took it to the transmission shop, and they said, this is wrong with it. You need a new transmission. Well, I couldn't afford one. So I found a 94 Dodge Dakota two-wheel drive. Same engine, two-wheel drive. The guy at the transmission shop said, yeah, I think I can make it work, whatever. Change tail shafts. I don't know. Just just bring it here. So That one wasn't running. Like You found that in a shed, right? It was in or a something? garage. It was in a garage in Charleston, and uh, we went over there with a battery charger and a five gallon can of gas and an air compressor put gas in it charged the battery aired up the tires and i drove it home from charleston i remember thinking this thing's way too nice to cut up <laughs> yeah. and i ended up driving that truck for like three years so like the big thing is uh flexing your jeep out right oh yeah so for sure so uh you know a lot of people had to go find a loading dock or something to flex their jeep out well my dad's business had a forklift so we had another, I had another buddy. Well, he wasn't even really a buddy that night. It was Eric Custer. <laughs> he had, he just knew I had a Cherokee. He had a Cherokee. He worked at Rural King and uh, we ran into him at Rural King. And I was like, dude, like we'll meet up after work. So we like got together, me, Eric and Sam went to Jedco. And uh, I either had a key to the place or the code to the door. And we got the forklift out mm -hmm. and we were doing flexing. Well, I think Sam's truck outflexed both of our jeeps two-wheel drive <laughs> yeah it uh it had more flex in the frame than the suspension than it did in the suspension it, it went high i think eric custer went and cut his sway bar off that night that exact night yeah for sure oh shoot but no but yeah the the uh the next one so we, we had first car so what's uh I wouldn't say craziest car story, but like, what's the craziest thing that happened to you in your car? Um, you know, just, just, just a car story that stands out to you. So probably the craziest thing that happened again, short story long here. I, what got me into classic cars actually from the Jeep scene is I had a exo cage turbocharged propane linked freaking badass. That could be a whole nother It could be episode. a whole nother episode. Comanche, and I was just done with it. I was over it, and I was trying to sell it, and I ended up driving to Georgia 
and traded this guy. Not in Georgia, it's Memphis, Tennessee. Was it? Yeah. Maybe he was. He was in Georgia. He was anyway, in Texas. Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> the Dozer remembers more than I do. Apparently. Uh, so anyway, met this dude halfway, and I traded him my Jeep and trailer for a 1980 Corvette on a U-Haul trailer. On a U-Haul trailer, and uh, I drove it home. On a Saturday, it had a built 406 small block with a tunnel ram through the hood with a bird catcher and lake pipes out the <laughs> side. It was cool. I mean, when I say <laughs> this thing was like trailer park redneck gold, that's exactly what it was. I mean, it was, it had, it, they had T tops and they replaced the rear view mirror with a five inch monster attack from Autometer, <laughs> um, which will play into the story later. So I, that Sunday, it ended up being, uh, I think, Corvette Fest in Effingham. And I had this Corvette, and I was like, I'm, I'm going to go tear up the streets, you know. And oh, you got to back that up to taking it to Coles County. That's where I'm going. Oh, okay, okay. So right. uh, that day at Coles County Drag Strip in Charleston, they had a drag race there, and a bunch of guys from the Effingham Corvette Fest came up there for the drag race. And I basically just didn't know anything about drag racing at that point and uh, took it up there and it drove absolutely horrible. Steered like a freaking logging truck and uh, basically won the novice street class on accident somehow. Still got the trophy upstairs and uh, I was able to get it home that that same night and uh i decided i needed to do something about the steering on this thing so we took it apart at the I've worked at american off-road addicts uh part-time and determined that the hydraulic assist steering that the corvette has had some kind of valve that was messed up replaced a bunch of parts and uh had it aligned at Pilsen Auto Center right across the street from the Jeep shop. Are we legally allowed to mention that? I don't care. So <laughs> <laughs> no one listens. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so they align it, <laughs> and my dad goes and picks it up. I drop him off at Pilsen and say, Go, drive this back to the shop. So he drives it back to the shop, and I say, old oh, man, how'd it drive? They just, just fixed the steering, just did the alignment, and he's like, I don't know, never had in a straight line, and that thing was tail happy. I mean, you put your, just tap the gas, and the rear end stepped out. And uh, so I was like, well, I'm going to take this thing for a spin, see if it drives better. So I take off down the road, and I'm like, okay, kind of steers No license good. or insurance. No license Title or insurance. not even in his name. Um, and there's this road behind the shop i turned on this road there's a nice sweeping curve and i kind of got on a little bit it started to step out i let off the gas and when the suspension reloaded on the front end it changed the steering geometry and it made that hydraulic assist jerk the steering wheel on my hand full lock right i jam on the brakes it slides off the road into a ditch and when i say a ditch i mean this thing is 10 foot deep and that's no exaggeration if you're standing in the top of the ditch you couldn't, or in the bottom of the ditch, you could not jump up and see the road. That's how deep it was. And so, no seatbelt, obviously. My face hit the monster tack, and my head hit the lug for the T-top, and it knocked me out cold for like 10 minutes. And I finally came to, and I look around, there's water in the floorboard. I didn't know what the hell happened. Um, and look around, I find my cell phone, I call my old man, and I'm like, hey, uh, 
I'm going to need you to come get me. He's like, where the hell did you go? You've been gone for 10 minutes. I was like, I'm literally right behind the shop. I mean, you could just walk here and find me. And uh, blood all over the passenger seat. My head's cut open and stuff. Um, so finally, Randy, who owned the shop, he come and uh, helped me get out of the car. And we had a friend, uh, Bill Boyles actually, had his service truck with a crane on it. We tried craning it out. He ended up having to leave for something. We couldn't get it with that. Ambulance came. The cops came. It was this whole big deal. Well, you weren't even there. You went home and took a shower. Oh, yeah, showered I did. The blood. So yeah. leaving the scene of an accident. Yeah, so I went home, showered, and Randy totally saved my butt on talking to the police and stuff. And I had to refuse an ambulance ride. And finally, tow truck came and pulled it out, did more damage to the car, pulling it out of the ditch. Yeah, they uh, didn't care from what I remember yeah, here. I wasn't care. there, but you're yeah. like, it was not that wrecked when it went into the ditch, and the tow truck guy totally. pretty much ruined it. Pretty much it ruined it. Um, pretty much ruined it. So, yeah, that was probably the craziest car story that I have is uh, getting knocked out cold driving you. Yeah, I mean, we've got a bunch of them, um, I guess. I mean, the one that sticks out to me is uh, my uh, grandma is known for driving kind of fast. And, you know, I probably picked up that trait. I, you know, my dad always told me, you're driving too fast. You're driving too fast. You're going to wreck. You're going to wreck. And, uh, I just, I just, you know, I just like, you know, getting with it. You know, I didn't like to coast to the stoplight, you know, you'd go up and hit the brakes. So he was saying, you're going to wreck right away, all this. So I uh, got my license two days after my birthday because my birthday was on a Sunday. So they're closed Sunday, closed Monday. Uh, I got my license on a Tuesday, which ended up being uh, January 4th. And my dad, I think, bet I would make it maybe a week. Well, I made it to January 14th. Me and my buddy Ryan went to a movie with some girls from high school. Went back to her house in... uh, and Watson kind of hung out a little bit and stuff. And uh, we ended up leaving and heading back to Effingham. And me and Ryan were taking the back roads back to Effingham and talking about the girls and and talking about the night we had, all this. And I remember I was looking over at Ryan, like, Fast and the Furious style, you know, driving, not even paying attention to where we're going. And he goes, I think there's a turn up here somewhere. And no quicker than he said that, I looked over and there was a there was a turn, and we went. And if I would have went straight, I would have been fine. But I tried to make the turn, and there was a ditch that ran like perpendicular to the road that I ended up putting my jeep in. Airbags went off. You know, had my license for ten days, and I remember when I hit the ditch, the horn went off, and the horn was just sitting there, just blaring the whole time. And I popped the hood and didn't have any tools with me. So I took my bare hand and pulled the positive battery cable off. And I think I like ripped half the skin off my hand pulling that off. It's super cold out. So called my dad. Uh, you know, police showed up, you know, got in the cop car. Police gave me, you know, the talking to about, you know, you could have killed somebody, you know, driving's not a joke, all this stuff. And Ryan's dad came and picked him up and he was in home in his warm bed probably before my Jeep was even out of the ditch. Mm-hmm. So, uh, got it towed out. And actually when it, they towed it out, it actually ran and drove. Okay. So I think I had to drive it home, which was kind of a crazy experience after wrecking it, you know, they're like, all right, we'll drive it home. And, you know, I was kind of shook up. And I remember I went home, went to bed, woke up the next morning, and my dad's 
uh, my dad's like, you need to call Ryan and make sure he's okay. So I called Ryan and said, hey, you okay? And, oh, man, I'm really sore. I'm like, fuck you. I was like, I wrecked my Jeep tonight. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't care if you're sore. And uh, anyway, that I still, you know, for a long time, caught a hard time about that. Yep. So, and, of course, we got a ton of other stories. We, we got caught. Uh, we broke down uh, wheeling one time in Interlake. You know, it took us. Every single thing that could have went wrong went wrong. That know? could be a whole episode. That could be episode. a whole episode. Worst, worst wheeling adventure. We'll do it. Like, have you, have for you that. seen? Uh, write it down. Have you seen like the movie Apocalypta? I have not. Okay, it's like about this. Is, this I'm, I'm going Sam style here. Okay, go. It's, it's about uh, this. Uh, you know, back in the Mayans, you know, they were going to do a sacrifice, and they're about ready to kill this guy as a sacrifice, and like there was an eclipse, and they're like, oh, it's a sign. And, so they let him go, and as he's, like, running away, they're, like, shooting at him. And just, like, as he's trying to get away, anything that can go wrong goes wrong. You know I mean? He's hiding up in a tree, and they're looking for him, and the tree branch breaks, you know? Just, sure. That's kind of how that wheeling trip went. Yeah, we'll have to do an episode on that one, because it was definitely one for the record books, for sure. Yes. What's the next question? The, the next uh, bullet point we have here is, uh, Carl, you wish you had not got rid of. So for me, that's going to be, I had a 2005 Ram SRT 10 pickup truck, um, was probably one of the coolest cars I've ever gotten rid of. Um, it, it was just awesome. I don't remember the reason I bought it was because in school, the scholastic book fair would come to town. Oh, getting deep now. You remember that? And, uh, you could get like Lamborghini posters and, you know, erasers that smelled like watermelons and, you know, just, you get all kinds of cool stuff. It was like a bazillion dollars. It was. So I remember I bought with my own money, a poster of the 2005 Ram SRT 10 pickup truck. And growing up as a poor dirt child in Mattoon, I thought, you know, the Mopar guy, apparently this thing, this thing might as well have been a million dollars. I don't even know what sticker was when they were new. Probably forty grand. Yeah, they made those trucks out of out of the material known as unobtainium. That's right. So anyway, it was. I don't want to call it a dream truck or whatever, but I, I just loved it. Loved everything about it, and like, there's never any situation in my life in a million years I'll ever own one, and uh, I think one come up for sale. I accidentally found on Facebook. And I was trying to make the deal, and he ended up selling out from underneath me. And at that point, I had my heart set on it. So I searched and searched and searched and finally found one down in southern Missouri and uh, went and bought it and uh, got pulled over a mile away <laughs> from, from, the car dealer. from the car dealer that we got it from um, for window tint. And I got in an argument with the policeman about how I'm from Illinois, the vehicle's going to be licensed in Illinois, so therefore... I need to abide by Illinois law. I don't really care what Missouri law is because it's irrelevant in this conversation. Um, regardless of the fact that I was on my phone and speeding <laughs> with no seatbelt on. Not to mention all your paperwork from you buying this vehicle was in my car for That's some right. reason. I don't know why. I think I was just excited to drive the thing. But yeah. that thing um, would have put me in jail for sure had I not sold it. Um, it's probably the only vehicle I've, I've really paid retail for that I can remember. I paid twenty grand for it, and uh, I've had it for I think two years, and ended up selling it for twenty grand. But that thing, gosh, it had five hundred 
horsepower, 505 foot-pounds of torque, and you could feel every pound foot of it. And you would pass anything you want except for a gas station. I towed uh, razors to Tennessee with it. I towed jet skis to Lake with it. I even towed my uh, 74 Dart to Gateway with it. Okay. With a golf cart in the bed of the truck. Um, that was truck a he- stuff. That was truck stuff. Yeah. Um, I won people's choice at the Geckner brothers car show. They have a Mopar car show here in town every year. And I won people's choice. Still have the trophy from that upstairs. And, uh, then I just annihilated the rear tires. One thing about me that we haven't touched on is that <laughs> That's I, a whole episode. I love doing burnouts, but I did a hell of a good burnout in that truck. Uh, and then the very next day, I went and hauled like ten hay bales in it from <laughs> Roll King or something. Like it's just, it was just cool that you know something so cool could be so versatile like that. But I ended up ended up selling it for twenty thousand dollars, and uh, I just kind of ended that chapter of my of my life. But it it was a hell of a lot of fun. I do miss that truck a lot. How about you? I know what the answer is, but let's sell the list. Do listeners. what's the answer? That's the ten oh nine. Well, you know, I was thinking about that. It was a ten oh nine, but really. My first 65 Mustang was kind of one that got away, too. Okay. But I guess we could talk about both with our podcast. Sure. You yeah. know, there's no rules here. It's the internet. It's <laughs> yeah. the Wild West. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you can get into, like, short story long on this, too, because uh, my first Jeep, the Cherokee, I turned into a rock crawler, one-ton axles. We put a big block Oldsmobile in it, which could probably be another whole episode. Could be. Um. I hate when people do that. You listen to pot. Well, that'll be a whole nother episode. That, that, that never shows up. The episode you know? never comes. Yeah. But, uh, uh, I had this Jeep Cherokee chopped to pieces, you know, the most rudimentary fabrication work done. I was learning, you know, rural King welder. Uh, it became very apparent that if I didn't get rid of this Jeep, it was going to financially ruin me. Sure. So, you know, everybody was like, oh, don't sell it. Like, you got, you know, you got so much money in it. And it wasn't about what I had in it. It was about what I was wanting to put in it. And uh, this was around 2012. So, I was engaged at that point. I owned a house. You know, it's time to grow up. So, I found there's a place that sold uh, construction equipment outside of Evanham called Beecher City Equipment, mm-hmm. which that guy's in jail now, I think. Yeah, he's definitely in jail. Kids are running it. Um, no, no, the old man still owns it. The kid went to jail. The oh, the kid went to jail. Yeah. Oh, he's, that's maybe you'll listen to this in jail. Maybe. You know, shout out. <laughs> um, but he was a big XJ guy, and I stopped. They had a military blazer, had a 6.5 diesel, and it's called an M1009. It had been uh, restored by someplace in Mount Vernon, I think. And uh, we struck a deal. I got... $3,800 for my Jeep. And I, there was, and I would have made more money if I'd have parted it out. I think I had two grand in wheels and tires on it. Easily, yeah. And uh, I had 42 inch tires on trailworthy Hummer double bead locks. But I, I could not stomach parting it out. So I trade, I got $3,800 trade in it on it. This blazer was $4,500. I threw in some extra BS spare axle shafts, a transmission. Somehow we, we met in the middle, and I don't think I gave any cash. I still remember it was April 12th of 2012 was when I traded off that Jeep. I remember signing the paperwork and having like an out-of-body experience. <laughs> um, 
I got this blazer and man, that was a blast. Uh, I mean, it, it was real nice. It was almost rust free. There's a little bit of rust on it. I, I bought some like POR 15. So explain what a 1009 I, I blazer did. A 1009 is. 1009 is like a K5 Chevy blazer that the military used. 24 volt electrical system. It's camouflage. Has a 6.5 diesel in it, turbo 400. The Detroit lockers, right? Or that's the no, no, 1008. that's the trucks. Okay, the, the okay. trucks had this had no lockers. It's open front and back. Camo paint job, camo paint job, and and I'll get to like how much stuff, how much of our life is connected too. So, uh, you know, I got this. I was too cheap to buy diesel fuel, so I found out these trucks will run on used oil. So like anytime my buddies change the oil. And their truck. I remember like your diesel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, give me that oil. I'd dump it straight in the gas tank, man. And you could floor it and it would just roll black smoke when you <laughs> put oil in. I just loved it. But uh, um, I drove that thing all, that was 2012. Yeah, that was April 12th. Mm-hmm. We drove it to the lake. We had jet skis back then. We'd tow it to the lake, took the top off. Well, I decided I wanted to lift it. Somehow I got, you had one tire from mm-hmm. somewhere i don't mm-hmm. know how you want them pirate this pirate 4 by 4 you won the the the, uh, the the military tires the 37s yeah. yeah so you had won those and somehow i got them off of you i assume i paid you or traded you we were always wheeling and dealing back and forth so i need a lift kit so it got complicated the off-road shop in town uh was a rough country dealer but randy dozenbrock was a rough country dealer through the jeep club because rough country came and gave the jeep club a dealership so i had a 14 bolt rear axle set up for links welded with like 513 gears and me and randy came to a agreement that i would trade him that axle for this lift kit so he ordered me a four inch lift kit for the blazer well the owner of the off-road shop got wind of it. Well, actually, I actually he didn't get wind of it. I I wanted to give him business too, being a being a salesman, and they were a customer. I wanted them to to do the tire balancing on it. Did Randy work there at this? Randy point? worked there okay. at that point. So I showed up with a brand new lift kit, and he, where did you get this? He called me and said, "Oh, you know, I, I got from Randy. I traded." Well, then that was a big blow up, huge blow up. You know, and it is, and it is employment. Yeah, MF and each other. You know, everybody was no good. Uh, ended his employment at the off road shop, and that's when he started American Off Road Addicts, which is where Sam worked. That's so right. it's amazing how much this, you know our lives are tied in here. But uh, I was always super concerned about being responsible, and you know, it's, I'm you know 23 years old. I'm done being a kid. Can't have these toys. Uh, our buddy Ryan Goodrich had one too that he daily drove, and he always talked about how hard it was to drive in the winter. Hard starting, you know, had to plug it in. He had a whole separate vehicle driving the winter. So I was scared to death of this diesel in the winter. You know, an old 80s, you know, indirect injected diesel. Non-turbo. Yeah, non-turbo. So I was like, I got to get this thing sold. So I put it up for sale, um, and a, a, a kid younger than me from St. Louis wanted to buy it. He said, you know, if, if I stay out of trouble for two weeks, my dad's going to buy me this or something. So finally we come to an agreement. He's like, well, you got to deliver it. So um, I said, well, I'll deliver it for $200. So he, okay, he gave me the address. Me and my brother and uh, his friend, Nate, 
uh, jumped in my mom and dad's work Prius, <laughs> and I jumped in that, and we drove over to St. Louis. Well, we get in it, and I mean, this is ghetto. This is this is chains on the basketball hoops. You know, every every Bars house, on the windows. yeah, every house looks the same. Well, I pull up in this military blazer in the ghetto, and all the people, the whole neighborhood, you know, is outside. They flock. And uh, anyway, they're like, oh, man, you know, check this thing out. And they're all over it, you know, and they're checking it out. And uh, this this kid pulls out a wad of $6,500, $6,800, something like that, mm-hmm. a cash. And I remember to this day, it was like 20s and 50s. Yeah. And it was on a hair tie. Nice. It was in a it was in a roll in a hair tie, and uh, he gives it to me. He goes, "Don't you want to count it?" I said, "Nope." See, ya. I put it in my pocket. <laughs> and I got in the car and we drove away. I said, "Stop!" My brother slams on the brakes. Said, "Go back. We got to go back." And he's like, "Why?" I was like, "I got to get my license plates off of this thing." Yep. And so I drive back, and you know, some of the crowd had dispersed. I was like, "Hey, man, I got to get my license plates." No, man, you're leaving then. And I was like, um, no, you know, I got another vehicle I got to put them on. Like in Illinois, you take, no man in Missouri, you leave them. The next guy gets your license plates. I was like, no, no, that's not how it works. Well, there was no license plate light on that blazer. Mm-hmm. So I bought LED bolts from Cody that you bolt your license plate oh, on. Yeah, and the bolts for the motorcycle had, stuff. Yeah, for yep. the motorcycles. And the bolts had lights in them and that were wired up, but you had to run them through the license plate and then wire them. And uh, I remember I unscrewed them. I was like, oh, man, these are wired in here. Like, I couldn't get them out. And I just remember I just ripped them out. <laughs> I ripped those out, and I got in the car, and I said, drive. And Slam I, we, it. We probably drove 40 minutes with me looking behind us before I felt. I just, that was a, <laughs> I just never experienced anything like that in my life. It's always something, you know. So, the, the next one is, what is a favorite car you know personally that you don't own? My favorite car that I am around personally that I don't own, there's actually two of them, and they're both classic cars. One of them would be Dean Willenberg's 69 Super B. He calls it Baby. Um, I think the story behind it was I think his brother owned it at one point, and it was like a fertilizer uh, it's a fertilizer salesman, like hauled fertilizer in or something. The whole trunk floor was rusted out. They took it hunting, bounced it across chisel plowed fields back when those muscle cars were just cars, you know, and yeah. they just drove them in the winter, didn't park them inside. They were just, just a car, nothing like, just like my piece of junk XJ is just parked outside, you know, but, uh, that would definitely be one. It's fully restored. It's beautiful. It's black. It's just absolutely spotless, gorgeous car. Um, for the longest time, that was a dream car of mine. Um, and now my girlfriend's mom has a 68 charger that her dad redid and the, out of the chargers, the six, your girlfriend's dad redid it or your girlfriend's mom's dad redid it. My girlfriend's dad. Okay. Redid the car. Cause you said her dad. So I didn't know. Sorry. My girlfriend's dad. Gotta redid... be more Pacific. <laughs> <laughs> Inside joke. We'll cover that in a future episode. Um, my girlfriend's dad redid this car for my girlfriend's mom, 68 Charger, black, absolutely gorgeous. Um, and of the Chargers is by far my favorite. Everyone likes the 69s, um, just partial to the taillights on the 68. I think it's just a better looking car. Um, so that would be that would be my two cars. What what car? Uh, 
<laughs> what car do you think would be yours? So my favorite car that I don't own would probably be my father-in-law's 63 Nova. So, you know, when I first started dating my, actually, uh, my buddy Ryan was dating my now wife, then, then, uh, not girlfriend's sister. And I knew this dude had a 63 Nova and, you know, Ryan talked about it all the time. And, uh, anyway, I somehow got hooked up with, uh, my wife through, you know, we were all friends. So I started dating my wife and, you know, I thought her dad was cooler than she was, you know, and I'd go over there, hang out, we'd work on his car and eat supper. And if I recall, I think I remember when you were broken up, you would still hang out with her dad <laughs> yeah. because you're still friends with her dad. <laughs> she would like... be leaving all dressed up to go on a date <laughs> <laughs> and I was at her house. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, he, uh, we'd go, you know, my wife played a lot of sports or then girlfriend, I guess, you know what I mean? But, and I'd talk to him, you know, what, what rear ends that thing got in? What, you know, this, that, and, and, uh, you know, we've, we've probably redone that car three or four times and raced it. I won street fighter driving it. Um, it's just the stable in her family, you know, that'll be the car everybody fights over, you know, in the end. And, and he had it, he bought it straight out of, uh, well, not straight out of school. He was in Votech school in Southern Indiana. He went to a trade school to work on cars and he's a Ford guy. And he asked one of the guys he went to school with, if you were to build any muscle car, like what would you buy? And the guy said, 63 Nova. Well, he knew where one was sitting at a forum or something somewhere. And he said that weekend he drove home and bought that car at, I think a 320, it's a six cylinder SS Nova. Um, he said when he got, I think, had a 327 and a four-speed in it, the rear quarter panels were cut out with a blowtorch, <laughs> you know, to fit bigger tires. Sure. And uh, I think it was green. And then uh, when the kids were young, they were living on the farm. They didn't have any money. I remember seeing it in, like, family videos. It was sitting under a lean-to. It was gold. I said, why would you paint that car gold? He said, well, back then I wanted a candy apple red car. And to get candy apple red, you painted it gold first, then painted red over gold. Because oh. they, they didn't have fancy paint, you know, like they do now. Gotcha. So it was, I think it was green when he got it, and then it was gold in some family videos, and then uh, eventually it became candy apple red. And I remember just asking him and asking him and asking him, like, let's, you know, let's do this car. So he had a warehouse for his business, and I remember going and digging that car out, you know, and and it was it was super cool. I, I remember we couldn't hardly get it started. Had a four hundred in it, you know, uh, ladder bar rear end, and and uh, uh, he decided, you know, both of his daughter's boyfriends, me and Ryan, were pretty interested in this car, so he'd get it out of hibernation, and and they had a volleyball tournament, and uh, he drove to that volleyball tournament, and he told Kelsey, which is my sister in law, uh, you know, take. You and Ryan can go out, you know, if, if you'll go with him, Ryan can go drive it. And uh, I remember, man, Ryan's eyes lit up. He's kind of a car guy, too. And uh, I remember Kelsey's like, nope, I don't want to go drive it. You know, she didn't care. And, man, just the life just died out of him. He died a little that yeah. day. Yeah. So then I remember maybe a week later, uh, he let me drive it, which my father-in-law is a super cool dude. But uh, 
we were at like a family cookout or something in town at my brother-in-law's house and the car was in town and and he's like yeah if you want to drive it home drive it home and I remember, man, I jumped in that thing, and Ryan was so pissed I got to drive it, and he didn't. Mm-hmm. And uh, I drove it, you know, probably the 10 miles back to their house, and I was just on cloud nine. So since then, you were hooked. That's that's <laughs> yes. the car. Yep. That's my favorite car that I don't own. All right. So, all right, let's go into the next bullet point we have here is cars on your wish list. So for me, obviously, I'm a Mopar guy through and through. Um, and my ultimate car that I would just, you know, if I could just wish into a wishing well and get the car that I want, be a 1970 Hemi GTX four speed. Um, I would probably have to do it in either the Hemi orange black or, I mean, Honestly, I'd take it in any color. If I could just make it be, it would probably have to be black just because black is just a sexy color. Um, A close second to that would be a GTX convertible in the 1970 flavor. Um, Again, just any B-body to me is is just the ultimate in automotive styling. So that would be probably, if I could just dream it and have it, it would be that 70 B body. I think one day um, more attainable goal would be to find like a satellite or something to clone into a GTX. Uh, Maybe do like a third gen Hemi. Um, I've actually done a little bit of work with the third gen stuff. And I think in my future, I would have a muscle car that was powered by a third gen just to get, you know, the fuel injection and the ease of, actually driving it and not have to worry about a carburetor and timing and everything else because the computer kind of does all that work for you. Now, when you say third gen, tell the audience not in the know what you mean by third gen. Okay, so uh, in the Hemi world, in the Mopar world, uh, your Gen 1 would be your small displacement, um, your 331 and and, uh, DeSoto brand and Dodge brand and Plymouth brand had Hemi, which is for a hemispherical head design in that the combustion chamber is half of a sphere, so a hemisphere or hemispherical uh, being the head design. And uh, then Gen 2 is your 426, what they refer to as the elephant engine, just because it's... Like your late 60s. It's, your, it's massively huge. I think they came out in 65, late 65, early 66. Um, and that's basically what changed NASCAR forever. Um, it was such a superior engine design that nobody could touch it. Um, and that's what made Richard Petty famous because he had, you know, a Hemi powered Superbird that did 200 miles an hour and nobody could ever catch him. And, um, I think they were, uh, you know, back in the golden age of horsepower wars or whatever, they were kind of derated from the factory and, you talk to any old timer and they'll tell you, oh man, you slap a carburetor on there and put some timing in her and you know, you'll have 500 horse in no time. So um, <clears throat> that would be your Gen 2. And then Gen 3 uh, is anything after, was it 2003? The Ram truck had a Hemi. And I still remember the commercials. Hey oh, man, that thing got a Hemi. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, uh, I think my, the, my favorite commercial is uh, 
the the guy pulls up next to stoplight in a front engine dragster <laughs> next to the truck, and he's like, "Hey man, I got a Hemi too," and he <laughs> pops the chute and then blows the tires <laughs> off of it. The guy in the truck shakes his head and just drives off. That's my favorite commercial. But uh, so your Gen Three is anything from two thousand three on? So the five so seven the injection, pick, yeah. So yeah, I actually did in my speech class in high school. I did a speech on the Hemi. And the speech teacher had a Hemi in his Dodge Durango. Okay. And so, actually, the Hemi head design comes from airplanes. Okay. Chrysler had a, uh, like, a V16 or something airplane engine with Hemi heads. And that's kind of where it all come from. But, you know, they touted it as more horsepower, you know, more efficient. And he, he kind of called me out. He's like, what do you mean more efficient? My Dodge Durango with a Hemi only gets 12 mile a gallon like how can you say it's more efficient i said well it's more efficient for the power i said your your 250 horse 47 gets the same gas mileage as the hemi i said you're getting 100 more horse for the same and that that kind of appeased him i think his name was mr brown mr brown did he wear a tweed jacket with (laughs) shoulder patches or elbow (laughs) patches i mean no he didn't that's disappointing but uh but anyway we were talking about your wish list cars let's get back on track here okay so you'd have an older older a 70B body. Um, With a newer engine in it. Well, that would be the attainable goal. I mean, something that I could legitimately see myself owning would be a cloned GTX with a third-gen Hemi. But if someone just, you know, magic genie, whatever analogy you want to use, like I could just snap my fingers and it's in my driveway, be a 70 Hemi GTX 426 Hemi in it. Gotcha. What would what would your dream car so, be? So I don't necessarily have a, a maker model. I've always been an, an early Mustang guy. Um, I'm not necessarily married to those. I I would just want something older. And I, I kind of tend to like unique stuff, you know, like uh, you know everybody does the Mustang, but you know maybe do a Falcon or a Fairlane or a Mercury Comet. I I really really like the. Uh, Mercury Cougars. Oh yeah. So you know an older car because you know we we're probably, we'll probably do a whole episode on how nostalgia is a drug. Oh yeah, sure. That's got to be one. I'll write that down. Yeah. So write that down. Um, but uh, you know you got to have an older car, uh, newer motor with uh, fuel injection. You know the fuel injection and all the newer technology really does pique my interest. You know you can get on there and change timing. Um, it gives you feedback, data logging, you know, none of this twist the distributor and tune it by hand stuff and uh, and just kind of guess where you're at. You know, the computer, when working properly, you know, is just superior as far as power and reliability and efficiency. But, you know, an older car, probably forced induction, something that you could drive on the road and it would be fast. You know, maybe do like a drag week style thing, which drag week is where you race five tracks in five days and uh, you have to drive your car between each track. You can't tow it. So uh, some inside baseball here. Drag week just ended. So we're all kind of coming down off of that high, the drag week high. Uh, of seeing we I actually met Dozer over at Altima at, on the rocks was actually a pit stop that they had to hit and take a picture in front of this giant Miller light can that's was a silo they turned into a miller light can and so we just hung out at the bar and all these freaking super fast cars these big name racers had to come through altamont and uh, we followed it all on facebook and on the internet and everything so 
that is really fresh in our brains and we kind of have ADD when it comes to projects, at least I do, where this might not be as forward thinking in the brain come a month from now, but yeah, we're, we're both in the, let's, let's build something super fast. You can daily drive. And they, and they came up with a term for that. It's called drag and drive. Now it's kind of a whole subculture of, of drag racing, you know, where people drive fast cars on the street and it's, it's, you know, technology allows you to do that, you know, no more race gas and, and, you know, carburetors and three quarter race cams and all that stuff. But it's, it's really neat to do. It's a, just another challenge. And, uh, uh, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of becoming a thing, but I, and I would like something like that, like a drag and drive type deal. Um, also on my wish list would be, uh, probably like a brand new diesel pickup truck. Sure. Probably, probably a Dodge. I'm a Ford guy, but way think, to be practical. I think if I'd buy one, it'd probably be a Dodge. Um, and something I've always wanted to do like bucket list, wish list, not necessarily a car, but do with a car is at one point I was, when I was heavy into classic Mustangs, there was a girl about my age that was just graduated college. And before she started her big girl job, her and her dad took off. I think the um, she had a uh, like a, a thread on a Mustang form or something. But anyway, her and her dad traveled the United States in her fastback Mustang, and man, I think that'd just be cool. Just get in a car and and classic car, something that most people wouldn't drive, and just go out west, see Devil's Tower, go see Grand Canyon. You'll spend a month putting you know thousands of miles on a classic car, talking to people, meeting people, you know. If you're in a classic car with way out of state plates, like anytime you stop for gas, people would be stopping and talking. And that's what I liked about that M1009 Blazer too. Anytime you stop to put gas in it, people are like, what is that? You know, Hey, you're putting diesel in that. Like, yeah, I know, I know, you know, and, uh, you know, something I'd really like to take off and just, just travel. I think the whole country in a classic car and it would be miserable. It'd suck. Cause me and Sam actually planned a mini trip like that called Southern Illinois roadkill. Yep. So for short, we short, we called it, uh, soil soil. Yeah. Just Southern Illinois road. Well, what was it? The, that doesn't matter. It, we call it soil, whatever that standed for. And, uh, we were going to take our race cars and drive through Southern Illinois in the fall See all the leaves change. Yeah, with and... with our lady friends and look at the leaves and stay at cabins, go to the wine trail. But we we're gonna have. I had a Mustang with a big block in it, and mm-hmm. he had his Dart with a big block. And and uh, anyway, I gave up on that, and I, I kind of wish I wouldn't. But uh, that'd have been cool. That's we were, we were gonna camp. We weren't gonna. We didn't have money to stay yeah. nowhere. I remember. Let's, we were let's, gonna, let's not get ourselves. We were gonna bring tents, tents. and Coolers. and uh, I think I was just married, and my wife was like, "Yeah, we can do that," you know. And, up for anything, young, yeah. young and dumb. Uh, that's probably one of my favorite things about the car culture, not to kind of go off the rails here, but... The show was about going off the rails. You go to a gas station, even if you're in town, and in a classic car, people look at you like, I, they don't see that every day, you know? And then some people like it. I really do. Some people don't, but... You know, a, an older gentleman will come up to man, I had one just like that. And you don't know if yeah, he did or just not. Just like it, yeah. But, but, I mean, the story, 
it just makes it worthwhile. You talk to people, you meet people, and it, you, you strike up conversations with random people that you would have otherwise had no reason to talk to them. Um, going out to dinner, going to the bar, doesn't matter. People will just come up to you and say, hey, man, nice car, you know. What, what is it? You know, what, what do you got in there for power? Will you do a burnout when you leave or whatever? It doesn't right. matter. But, but you've talked to somebody that you otherwise wouldn't have, wouldn't have actually had the opportunity to speak to. So. Yeah. And I, and, and then kids, you know, kids think the car's cool, do a burnout. And you know, that was us. We were that kid that thought cars were cool, you know, and, mm-hmm. and uh, you gotta, gotta kind of, you know, remember that, you know, you're some kid's hero out there with that car. That's so. for sure. All right, so next one, final on our list of bullet points for this episode is cards we have right now. So do we need to list them all? I mean, maybe not. Just let's do fun cars. Let's do fun cars. I'm not going to talk about my wife's minivan. Okay, all right. I mean, I have, shoot, I have a, I have a few. Um, my two, I have two fun cars right now. Um, I, guess, I guess three, technically. So... The first one is my 74 Dart Sport. You should have started um, with the boring one. The boring one? Yeah. Oh. The boring fun car. The boring fun car? Yeah, the PT Cruiser. Was that yep, that was going to be it. That was going to be it. So I have a 2005 PT Cruiser. And before you get all freaking crazy on me, it's a convertible. It's and a cabriolet. It's a cabriolet. <laughs> and uh, I have next to no money in it. Um, and I actually gave it to my dad for father's day it's still sitting in my driveway still waiting on some title work it will be i'm still waiting on title work um it's got some title issues because we live in illinois and illinois is stupid but um yeah that's probably my boring fun car um but it's still a blast i put a hawaiian shirt on (laughs) and just drive it around town just for pure entertainment value um if my my thing is is if you do it um in jest or satirically um, <laughs> you're not lame yeah you're not lame you know it's you know i'm doing it for the wow factor or the or whatever the you want to call factor. yeah the troll factor there it is um so that that's one the other one is the one i've had for uh i think it's nine nine years now that's, i bought yeah, it july 4th uh two i don't even know 2013 2012 that was the summer after i got married Okay. I think. Yeah. yeah. So July fourth, two thousand thirteen. Uh, it's a seventy four Dart Sport. I bought it with a three eighty three in it. Um, and for those of you who don't know, it's basically a Plymouth Duster with different badges on it. Um, it's got a different front end uh, that is reminiscent of the actual Dart Swinger of the same era. Has the same kind of front end with a different rear end. And uh, I bought it like I said, had a three eighty three in it. And it sounded just mean as hell. I oh, mean, yeah. it, it, you just thought this thing will just rip your face off and eat it for breakfast. Um, but it, for whatever reason, it would just not run out. It would not drive down the road. It would just kind of fall on its face every time you stomp on the gas. Could never figure it out. We messed with everything. Carburetor, timing, doesn't matter. Spark plugs. We just messed with everything. Never did get it figured out. Um bought a 440 off of Facebook because it's essentially the same kind of size and it would have gone right in. Took it off the elephant ears, which are just basically hard mounted plates on the front and yeah, rear of the like motor. Yeah, like drag racer stuff. Um, and put it back on motor mounts and uh, got it all put together and I traded 
uh, Dean Willenberg, who is the dad of another couple of our buddies, Kyle and Cody Willenberg, the 383 for building the transmission that's in the car. And uh, he got to tearing into it, and turns out the camshaft timing set has three different ways you can install it to either advance or retard or straight up the actual timing of the camshaft in relation to the crankshaft. And whoever put it together didn't understand what the markings meant on the gears and installed one of the marks for the keyways as a timing mark and ended up having the cam retarded in relation to the crankshaft by like 30 degrees. So the resulting uh, effect was a very wild sounding camshaft, like some kind of drag race machine with no power at all. It didn't, like there was the way the valves open and close in relation to the pistons coming up and down was just way off. I mean, it just wouldn't run at all. Um, So he ended up installing the timing set correctly, put it back together, put that engine in one of his family members' cars is still running to this day. (laughs) Um, But at that point, the ship had sailed. I had the 440. um, And one of my favorite pictures is of... Andrew and myself in his garage on Henrietta Street, and I was building my 440, assembling, I guess I should say, and he was... Which he had no business. I had no business (laughs) doing. I had no idea what I was doing, just reading the internet and basically guessing. Um, And Dozer was actually building a 351 Cleveland for a 65 Mustang. There's a picture of both of us standing next to our engine blocks on the engine stands, getting ready to build them. That's probably one of my favorite pictures that I got. And we were at least heads up enough to know that that would be good, nostalgic quality, you know, stuff down the road. And yeah. it, it is aged well. So, anyway, that car has basically lived its life in that same configuration since we finished it there on Henrietta Street. Um, done a shitload of burnouts in it. Um, I don't know how many tires I've gone through. Um, but it's, you know, still chugging along, still doing yeah, good. I remember we, <laughs> you, you put a used Lenati cam in there mm-hmm. and we're like, dude, you got to run oil with zinc. You're like, that's an internet myth. Yeah. So <laughs> he puts the cheapest oil O'Reilly cells in it. Mm-hmm. And does it have a tick or? It still does. It still yeah, has a so slight tick. It started ticking and we're like, what's this? So we did an oil change and you bought an oil filter cutter mm-hmm. and you cut the oil filter open. It's just full of gold metal, full of metal. And I was, I was like, full. dude, you got to run zinc in these things. He's like, I thought that was a, I thought that was a scam, you know? And so now and- we, now we joke that I have a custom ground cam. <laughs> custom ground three quarter race. So, <laughs> so yeah, so that's probably my, my most fun car. Uh, what do you got cooking for that these days? So, uh, I let me preface this by a couple years ago I tried to sell it. Um I kind of fallen out of love with it and uh tried to sell it and had a couple guys come and look at it and they just picked it apart. I mean, this car is the furthest thing from a show car. It's got new floor pans on top of old floor pans. The quarters aren't put together right. It's got rust bubbling where they put the quarters on. Um it's been mini tubbed and the Rear end's been narrowed too much, so it's running wheel spacers. And they were just, man, they were just like, this is wrong. This is, And I kind of got defensive, you know, like, 
Like when you like when you make fun of your kid for being stupid, and then another parent's like, "Yeah, your kid's your stupid. kids." And they're like, oh, "I'll fight no, you to the yeah. death." <laughs> like yeah, my car is not stupid. Um, so um, in the past couple of years, I've kind of fallen back in love with it, and every time I climb in the driver's seat, it puts a smile on my face. Oh, but man. Um, I remember when you you had it at the storage unit by my metal shop. And I was like working on a Saturday, you know, and you came and started and I walked out there, I was talking to you and you were letting it warm up and it was just loping. I was just like, dude, I got to get a muscle car again. Like this is, that was killing me, man. You were going to cruise somewhere and I was working and I was just like, not living. I I need to make some life changes here. So what I have cooking. So last year I found on Facebook, I don't know if I found or Cody, doesn't matter. Someone found a guy selling a twin turbo blow-through setup for a big block and an A-body. Essentially, there was a guy that had an orange version of my car with pretty much the same engine setup, and he custom-built a twin turbo setup with this custom intake plenum that shoved all the turbo air into a air box that sat on top of a blow through style carburetor and worked out a deal bought the entire setup basically everything but the long block that he had base intake to the exhaust tip everything for these turbos and i was gonna do it and uh never have got to it yet but they're way too big and obnoxious to actually be real but that's that's still something that i have on my radar to do and I haven't done it yet because of the next car that I'm going to talk about, which is what I would call like my pretty boy car, I guess. Um, so Parade car. Parade car. That's a, that's a very good term for it. So I bought two years ago now from the, there's a, there was an estate a gentleman by the name of Tony, uh, what was his last name? I'd have known if you wouldn't have said something. Okay. Anyway, he owned Heartland Classics, and he had just a enormous collection of cars. If he had one car, he had three hundred cars. He Griffith. Uh, Tony Griffith. Thank you. And uh, a friend of mine was working there, and they started selling his entire collection. Um, and I was actually looking on Facebook at a. 75 Eldorado convertible because I, I just wanted a convertible. You know, I just had to have it. And uh, I was actually going to drive to Southern Illinois and buy this thing. And my girlfriend's dad had purchased a few cars and some engines and stuff from this estate. And he said, he told my girlfriend, like, uh, before Sam goes and buys a Chevy, and he's a Chevy guy, which is funny, uh, maybe he should go see what they got over there at Tony's. Um, you'll never know. So if I could have just wrote the script of what I would have found, it would have been that 70 B body. Like we talked about, um, in a roller with not a lot of body work left to do that. I could put a big, just fire breathing engine in and have my quote unquote dream car. Um, and sitting there in this warehouse, I walked by it. I don't know, four or five times as a 69 Hemi GTX automatic Q five teal. And uh, black vinyl top, black interior. One of three made on a Tuesday in October. Yeah, if we want to get specific. <laughs> um, so, 
my friend that had worked there is like, man, you need to buy this car. I'm like, yeah, right, whatever. There's no way Sam Derrickson's going to afford a Hemi freaking GTX. He's like, no, you'd be surprised. He walked by it, kept walking by it, kept walking by it, went and looked at some other cars, really looked at buying a Little Red Express, which he ended up with, by the way. Oh, so that's cool. I'll be looking forward to seeing that thing, doing something with that. Um, but finally came back to it. I didn't find anything I wanted. He's like, man, you need to buy this car. It's, you know, you're the guy that needs to own this thing. And I was like, Logan, there's no way. It's a Hemi GTX. It's a freaking $100,000 car. He said, it's not a real Hemi. I said, what do you mean? It's got a Hemi right there. Is there a Hemi inside this freaking car? He's like, well, it's actually a 440 car that Tony put a Hemi in because his dream, his goal, just like mine, was to own a Hemi GTX. And he had a GTX, and he had a Hemi, and he had a restoration shop and employees. And he said, hey, you put that Hemi in that car, and then we'll have a car. And uh, so... I asked, you know, what do you want for this thing? And they shot me a price and I shot them a price back. And we worked back and forth and back and forth for about two weeks. And uh, finally I went to my local credit union and I was like, I got to buy this car. I mean, the price is just too cheap not to buy it. The engine's worth what they're asking for the car. And they're like, yeah, sure. No problem. Send us the details. Well, my credit union has a board of directors or whatever board members that have to approve all the loans. And uh, as a rule, they don't do classic car loans. Uh, well, crap, not getting it. And uh, credit to my girlfriend for basically forcing me to go somewhere else. I actually went to my local bank that I do my checking and savings with and got a loan with way too high interest rate, <laughs> for my opinion, versus running a credit union. And... Uh, Ended up coming to a deal with the guy that was running the estate, and uh, the rest is history. So that's that's the you know the quote unquote parade car, um, probably the nicest vehicle I've ever owned as far as you know just the actual pure quality of it um, and what it is, and it does turn a heck of a lot of head. That's a pretty rare color. It's not one that you see in a lot of classic muscle cars. Um, I wasn't super sold on it before I bought it, but now that I have it, it's probably one of my favorite uh, of the Mopar colors now. <laughs> and uh, so the Hemi in it, I ended up blowing a uh, exhaust manifold gasket in it, which if you remember from the previous discussion about how big they are, they call them the elephant, you cannot get to the mounting flange of the exhaust manifold in the car. It's just so large, you just can't get to it. So the engine is currently out of it. Um, basically, to fix a $20 part, I'm spending two years and <laughs> a bunch of money. I'm going to go through it, make sure the bearings are good, go through all the seals. Um, I'm going to do a little more upgrades. I want to put disc brakes on the car. I want to put, uh, they make a updated steering box that has more modern feel steering because older power steering cars, you have to drive them every second. You're trying to find center you're got such a high gear ratio in the steering box you're chasing all over the road trying to drive it and they make an update where it's more like a modern car where you can kind of drive with one hand and it tracks a lot straighter so that's the current project that's putting the turbos on hold for the second car gotcha what are your current cars dozer so i after i sold my jeep or traded it for the m1009 um, I kind of got out of off-roading. There was a little bit of a blip there with that black YJ with the LS, uh, just a little bit. But 
Um, I kind of got sour towards off-roading. Um, just because to make myself maybe feel better that I was being responsible instead of, uh, you know, going and tearing my vehicle up on the weekend, I was going to have a classic car, you know. And I think I remember a discussion we had about the actual fundamental basis in the vehicle hobby in that the Jeeps and stuff, we spent all this money for something you couldn't drive on the street and you purposefully went out and tore up. And I thought our philosophy was buying a classic car or muscle car or something like that, that you could still spend money on, enjoy it. But then you could take it to get ice cream. You could go get groceries in it and your family could enjoy it more than just the four or five times a year we can afford to take them somewhere. So then I ended up getting a 65 Mustang, which this is off topic, off topic a little bit. And I tried to turn it into a race car, but I tried to also keep it nice so my wife would drive it. And we ended up with a car that was too radical for her to enjoy and too slow for me to enjoy. So uh, that's another car I meant to mention on the one I wish I hadn't got rid of uh, was that 65 Mustang and put a 351 Cleveland in. Uh, had a 410 rear end gear, you know, with a spool, and I put a small cam in it, and it was too slow for what I wanted. And you know, Slower than the Mopar, for those of you keeping score. <laughs> too radical for my wife to enjoy. So, uh, but anyway, so I kind of got out of off-roading. Well, then when COVID hit, my wife wanted a Jeep really bad, and we ended up buying a four-door Wrangler, and... Uh, to our knowledge, it was advertised as a regular one, and we got there, and it was a Rubicon, which a Rubicon has heavier axles, lower, low range, and, you know, the off-road, the off-road spark was, you know, ignited again, and so I wheeled that a while, really, really, really enjoyed uh, my time with that Jeep, uh, went down to Tennessee in the mountains, and and uh, my cousins got one, so kind of got back in off-roading, ended up buying a more built jeep more lifted uh you know a little bit rougher didn't have to worry about tearing it up so i've got i ended up selling the rubicon just yesterday actually and i have a uh, another 07 four-door wrangler that's got an aftermarket axle in the front lockers gears 37s that um i've got a supercharger for it that i haven't put on yet that's next to my turbo project and so that's the current project the project that's on hold is a 62 ford falcon that i bought four door four door you know crew cab that's right so uh i've seen that on it's it's not instagram facebook uh in about december last year ish maybe november mm-hmm. and i was kind of looking for a classic car and i was i was ready i wanted to have a car with my buddies so uh i went and bought it and it's totally rust free i mean the, the little bit of rust it has are just in the right spots, you know, a little bit here by the door hinge, a little bit in the corner of the window, you know, just to give it the patina. Right. Um, you could eat off the bottom of it. You could eat off the floorboards. I mean, they're, it, it's the true grandma, little old lady drove to work on Sunday. When we pulled the seats out, it had hair curlers and a, <laughs> and a rosary underneath the seat. So, um, Driven my, to church on Sunday. My idea, I was going to enact the uh, Joe Gasper effect on it, I call mm-hmm. it. Joe Gasper's uh, another gentleman here in town about our age that has a four-door Rambler with a 5.3 and a turbo. So this car had a 302 sitting in it, um, loosely, well, it wasn't in it, but 
the guy had bought mounts and stuff for it. So it was ready to go in. Yeah. I put a 302 in it. Uh, I'm going to turbo it. Uh, I was going to do a blow through carb. And after some research, fuel injection was essentially the same price as doing a blow through carb. So I bought all the Holly EFI stuff on a black Friday. Uh, me and my father-in-law worked on it probably every night for a month. Uh, sure. Made huge gains. I mean, the car could probably be driven um, in about 30, 40 more hours of work. Uh, then our buddy Cody raced KOH. I got roped into, not roped into, but I got involved in helping him prep for KOH. Uh, that took away from the car. And then uh, about the time KOH ended, I was getting ready to get back to the car. And we ended up... Uh, uh, unexpectedly taking over my dad's business and uh, we already had the metal shop business going and then going to my dad's business and trying to juggle both businesses uh, you know working nights and weekends uh, the car has been parked in the garage since so the motors in it transmissions in it uh, turbo system is shoot turbo systems probably 75 percent done all the parts are on the shelf. I'm like brake lines, fuel lines, and a little welding away from going, honestly. That might be a good winter project, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think that uh, my goal is to have it for T-Town Cruise next summer. you got to hold me to that. Okay. After our Jeep trip in November, Jason even knows Jeep's going on the back burner, and it's Falcon time. Falcon time, it's baby. Falcon time. And then uh, another one I'm involved with. Uh, that's not mine is my father-in-law and I are building a chromoly tube chassis Opel GT. And we started that about the time my son was born and he is five years old now. So this car is five years in the making. If you're wondering how that's going. Um, it is in my garage. It's been in my garage for, uh, over a year probably. Um, and it's like all my other father-in-law's car projects. It's, 70% 70% finished, and then he's on to the next thing. Which, so. in the father-in-law's defense, he's currently building a home for his, for him and his wife to live in, which right. is slightly more important and than a true chassis a race shop, car. Trying to get a shop figured out. So he's got a couple un, unfinished car projects. and uh, uh, But yeah, so that's something else I'm involved in that we'll maybe see the light of day one day. And for those of you who don't know what an Opal GT is, imagine... A go kart with a full that looks like windshield. a Corvette. Yeah, a go kart that looks like a Corvette with a full windshield. That a man Jerry's just, size, just a Goliath of a man, does not seem like he belongs in. But it's 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 uh yeah, it's gonna be a Turbo LS build. It's gonna be a monster when it's ready to go. Yes, it'll be scary. So, but anyway, so, so one bonus question. I All thought right. about this. What do you think is the most unique? car you've ever owned and since i've had some time to think about this i'll let you think about it and i'll talk about the most unique car i've ever owned i actually just got rid of it uh this oh, okay. this winter um <laughs> it could probably go on the list of stuff i wish i had back but i'm honestly glad it's gone so i had a 1989 dodge ram 50 so this is a what would be considered a mini truck. So the same as like the Nissan, um, the Chevy Love is a mini truck, smaller than an S10. It's actually based off of a Mitsubishi Mighty Max pickup truck. And uh, back in the 80s, Daimler had a uh, partnership with Mitsubishi 
called Diamond Star Motors, and that's where your Eagle Talent came from. So you Fast and Furious fans, um, your Eagle Talent is the same as the Mitsubishi Eclipse. So on the truck side, the Ram 50 or D50 is the same as a Mighty Max pickup truck. And this just wasn't any Mighty Max. It had a convertible conversion. And from what I've found, there was a kit you could buy. I don't know if it's like JC Whitney. I'm sure it was a magazine because the internet didn't even exist back then. But you would basically cut the roof off and there was a couple panels that would cover the cut parts and it would be like a removable hard top. Well, the person I bought this from, the story was uh, old man bought it brand new, had this conversion done, and then his nephew ended up with it, and then I bought it from the guy that his nephew sold it to uh, down in Tennessee, but he made a custom retractable soft top, so there was this entire apparatus behind the seat that would came up on electric actuators and indexed into the windshield and the windows would roll up into it and there was like a bow and like a bimini top kind of deal like for a boat that would snap and velcro in which at this point in its life was cracked and dry rod and shrunk and it didn't work it, it would kind of sit on there but it did definitely not hold water um but that vehicle I got the most freaking looks in. Oh, yeah. By the way, it had a 90s solo cup paint job, by yes. the way. It was a white truck with like a, like a kind of like a cross. Like splash graphics, I think they call yeah, it. Yeah. Cross between like the 90s solo cup and like the, uh, uh, what's that called? The, the heart, the Chevy heartbeat kind of mm-hmm. little, uh, heartbeat, heartbeat line. Of America. Or yeah. Whatever. And down the side of it. And, had like plastic ground effects and stuff. And that freaking, I, I got so much crap from my girlfriend for drive. I was like, I'm going to pick up so many chicks in this thing. It is just so badass. And we drove it to T-Town from Evingham the freaking weekend I got it. And every middle school to high school age boy was just hooping and hollering. She's like, you're going to pick up what? Chicks with this thing? I don't think so. And, uh, but that thing got so many looks and comments everywhere it went. And uh, it was just a fun as hell truck to drive around. Had a custom tonneau cover made of uh, wood and like vinyl. So it was just like it was level with the bed of the truck, um, but it was made of wood. And uh, it honestly looked fantastic. A little five speed with eight ball shifter, little four cylinder carbureted, um, which was computerized carburation. Um, Worst idea any car manufacturers ever had. There's like 7 million vacuum lines under the hood. The 80s was a hell of a time to be alive. It was indeed. And I ended up selling it to some crackhead from St. Louis. Came to my house in the middle of winter and drove it home with no top in a rainstorm. Um, but hey, it's gone. He's happy with it, I guess, or dead or something. I don't know. Uh, he was He was a dandy, but that was the most unique vehicle i think i've ever owned so that one that one isn't really the one that got away but it's one i'll definitely remember forever well my most unique vehicle i owned was also sold to a crackhead in st louis and that was that m1009 okay so that's probably the most unique one that people are like what's this you know i i don't know if you well i had that dodge uh m37 too i never really drove with them at all but uh, it was the military version of the Dodge Power Wagon. That was pretty unique. That I was wish, unique. I wish I'd have stuck with that. But uh, 
Besides that, you know, your classic cars are just Mustangs. That's all cookie cutter stuff and Jeeps, kind of cookie cutter. You know, my my Cherokee, I turned into a off-road buggy, essentially, with a big block and and. It was unique. Tons. It was it, unique. But... It was unique because most people in the Jeep world ditch leaf springs for coil springs or coil overs. Dozer, in his infinite wisdom, ditched the front coil springs for front leaf springs because that's just what you do. That's what I could afford. I was yeah. like, leaf springs are way cheaper than coils and links. So, yeah, it was unique in that aspect. And it had... so. Again, we could do a whole podcast on these off-road vehicles, but another thing that made it unique was he bought my dad's Oldsmobile 455 rocket engine. Yes, biggest that, block alive. That came out of a motorhome, and we ran on propane, and it used so much propane, it would freeze up a forklift tank <laughs> yes. just driving it. Um, so it was also a really unique vehicle. Um, so but, anyway... Does anybody else out there have a uh, unique vehicle story or a vehicle story you want to share with us? We'll read it online. Uh, send an email to ask. A-S-K. Long story short. Nope. 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 Well, you, I'm just going to let Sam do this. It's ask, A-S-K, short story long. Oh. The name of our podcast, ah. short story long, ask short story long at gmail.com. Send us an email with your either your most... Wish you never got rid of car or most unique car, and uh, we can go over them here on the or show. Or just comment. You know, if we get social media set up, we'll maybe share this. You can comment on that, and uh, maybe we'll swing back around. It. This is not going to be the last podcast we talk about cars, I'm sure. <laughs> Probably is going to be a staple. So thanks again for listening, everybody. And uh, Yeah, thanks for joining us. Yep, have a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the motherfucking Eagle Double G. Snoop Dogg.